Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Evolvepreneur Secret Show for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Brian Silverthorne. And my mission, as always, is to help entrepreneurs achieve everything they want to achieve through their businesses and to help them navigate the sometimes messy worlds of startup growth or relaunch. And today, we're going to dig deep with our guest and get you some great concepts and strategies to fast track your business. And our special guest today is David Rockland, who's the author of a couple of fiction books, and I'll give him the opportunity to explain that. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. Appreciate being here. Good to have you here. So if you would, please start off and give us a little bit of information about you and what your current focus is. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. David Rockland. I am, as Brian said, the author of two novels. They are literary fiction historically set. The first novel is called The Luminist. Second one is called The Night Language. I've also hosted and curate a reading series based in Los Angeles for about the last decade called Rorschach, where writers of all different kinds can come, read their material, whether they're published or unpublished, and have the opportunity to present their words to an audience, which is not something platform-wise that most writers get a chance to do. I've also created a writer's retreat based in Idlewild, California. That's a live retreat where people can come, undertake writing sessions, have big blocks of time in a beautiful natural setting. As part of that retreat, I have written a craft book called The Right Formula, which is just my own thoughts about bringing your idea to fruition, taking it all the way through, revising it so that you end up with a finished book. Um, my, my background also, I'm an attorney. Um, have been an attorney as well as a professional writer for a number of years now. Uh, my areas of specialization include uh, employment law, entertainment, uh, cyber stuff. I, I dabble in quite a bit. Uh, and so I've got both of those hats um, and I'm equally comfortable in both and I'm equally passionate about both. Great to be here. Wow. That's uh those those are a couple both are ambitious impression uh, professions <laughs> I, I do keep busy <laughs> yeah okay so so how do you manage to divide your time is, is it just kind of a natural flow or do you block things out or how does that work so i i guess i've always been fairly adept at compartmentalizing which you have to be really i think just to make it through the increasingly tumultuous life that we all seem to be experiencing but when it comes to writing, uh, I have always been able to sort of put it down, pick it up, and contend with other things without losing my thread. Uh, I guess in, in a certain way, the ideas that I'm working on um, are always percolating there somewhere. And as long as I leave a little indication on the writing work I'm doing of where I left off, it, I don't seem to have a lot of trouble getting back into it. Of course, like everyone, the, the one struggle that we all have is finding the time, uh, you know, finding sort of a dedicated time to be able to really immerse yourself in what you're doing. Uh, for me, I have a family. I have a, a daughter who's just starting high school and I have a wife who's equally busy. And so, you know, we all we all have to navigate that particular that particular path of where is the time? How can I carve some time out? Um, but you know, we, if, if it matters enough to you, you find it in my case, I find it by probably not sleeping as much as I should. <laughs> well, that's probably a common affliction of a lot of people that are entrepreneurs. So you've got your attorney life, your author life, your family life, and hopefully some of your me life 
that you can me take like. time for. You, use that word in a sentence, Brian. I don't know what me like. <laughs> a lot of times not. Well, um, in your in your vocations, mm-hmm. um, so you know to be successful, all entrepreneurs need business. They need customers. They need clients uh, too, so they can perform what it is they do to help people and and make some money along the way. So uh, how do you attract clients to your attorney practice? And what do you do to generate readers for your books? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I can kind of dispense with the question a little bit on the attorney practice because I am actually in-house at a corporation. Oh, okay. So even on my best day where I wish I was not attracting attention, I'm getting a lot of attention and a lot of work and a lot of, David, please help us. So that's never been too much of a problem. On the writing side, I think all writers can probably relate to this. It is a very hectic, crowded, ever-growing marketplace of ideas. And I think one of the primary challenges all writers face, whoever they may be, I mean, obviously self-publishing is a very large industry unto itself. I am not a part of that. I'm traditionally published represented you know through literary agents published by publishing houses but we all have the same issue and that is there are so many books coming out on any given day in any given week how do we rise above that fray to get our titles heard Um, social media is for better or for worse a large part of that Um, not being too sort of um, caught up in our own sense of what is fair and right to avoid the large sellers like the Amazons of the world, the Barnes and Nobles of the world. I myself am a deep believer and supporter of independent bookstores, but they alone are not going to be able to break your title. You you need to make peace with and do business with those entities that have the most muscle to be able to market your title. Uh, You need to be active on social media, Facebook platform, Instagram is an increasing platform. I would say I'm probably a few years removed from TikTok or Snapchat, so you're not going to find me on there because I don't think anybody wants to see this on TikTok or Snapchat <laughs> uh, or, or me trying to do a dance. I think those days are gone. But those are, those are massive platforms, and titles break open on social media all the time. Um, being able to position your book to be picked up for reviews where people will see what the book is about in a way that they might not see if they go on Amazon and say do a search for detective thriller and they're going to come up with about a hundred thousand titles before they even type another word. So being able to have mainstream reviews that sometimes can come by way of a publicist. So there, there may be a bit of expense that the author has to undertake to try to get their title a bit more visibility. Ultimately, it, it, whether it's worth it or not really depends upon how important it is to you. For some folks who are just self-publishing, it's enough to be able to say, I wrote a book, I can hold it in my hands. For others like myself, this is a profession. Um, It is designed to make money. It's also designed to increase the viability of my next book. And so I am willing to invest a bit of myself in terms of time, sometimes in terms of travel, in terms of appearances, conferences, speaking panels, all of those things increase your visibility and get people to check out what you've written. And word of mouth then will kick in naturally. And if your book fits what they're hoping and looking for, off you go. Oh, great. So um, you, you mentioned you have your writer's workshop, if I heard that correctly, and a, and a writer's retreat as well. 
Yes. Um, now, are go, is there a fee for service involved there? And, well, and, and what, what, is, uh, what does the ideal attendee or customer look like for those two uh, areas and, and how do they find you? Sure. Uh, the writer's retreat will be launched pretty soon. So I have not set the price for that yet, but there will be a fee attached and that'll be all inclusive for all of my time, all of my services, guest speakers, food, uh, the retreat property itself, um, ongoing consultative services. If you want to create something at the retreat, continue working on it and continue working with me. We, we can work out that in terms of timeliness in terms of editorial services. For the reading series, I do not charge for that. Um, and the reason for that is I've been very fortunate in that when both of my books came out, there were tours involved. I got to experience what it's like to read something you wrote to people and have them respond. For a lot of writers, either because maybe geographically there's limitations on where the opportunity is to read economically, um, they don't get that chance. So it was important to me from the very beginning to create a platform where writers, either because they're published and they're publicizing their book, or because they are unpublished and they've never had a chance to experience reading something they've written for an audience and getting that immediate feedback, I want them to have that opportunity. I want them to feel, frankly, the way that I do when you give your words that you've worked so hard on to an audience and they reflect back to you, wow, I'm really glad I was here to hear what you had to say. Um, and so there's no charge, there's no admission fee. I don't charge the writers to submit their work and then come read. That is that is all on me, and it's my pleasure. That's okay. That's interesting. What you what you said got me to think, and I understand the retreat because I've done business retreats before. So that it's same concept, just kind of a, a, a different format. But um, from the the readers workshop, yeah. Uh, Initially, I guess, being unsophisticated in that area, I would think that readers are just there to to read and promote what they're doing. But you're saying that they're also there to get feedback that could help them become better writers, I'm assuming. Yeah. And that's and that's a little bit more informal. I certainly set ground rules um, for anyone who's listening to this, who is a writer who's ever participated in a workshop. You know what those can get turned into. <laughs> they can be a little rough and tumble. Um, as other writers who were there are looking to sort of work out perhaps not just their stories, but perhaps their insecurities, perhaps some of the emotions that they brought to their own work. Whenever we read a book, whenever we write something, we are drawing upon our own experiences. That's the filter that we see everything through. And in my own experience with workshops, what I have seen is that when you read something, other writers will tend to react to it based upon their own life experiences. And sometimes their reactions sound a little unfiltered. And for especially a newer writer, it feels criticizing. It can even feel rejecting. And I have seen writers who show promise just get stopped in their tracks because they haven't heard that before. They haven't heard someone say, I don't like your story. I don't like the voice it's told in. This is not working for me. And particularly for newer writers, a lot of what they've written is a little bit self-reflective. It's, it's kind of based on their own life. It's the town that they're from. It's an experience that happened to them. And if you tell them, yeah, you know what, this doesn't make sense, it feels like a personal attack. And so I do try to keep um, parameters around the type of feedback, all very informal, that an audience is going to give a writer 
Uh, and essentially, this is not the format, folks, to start pulling their work apart. This is where we make sure everyone feels uh, comfortable, they feel welcome. If we want to get into a let me editorially give you feedback on what is working and what may not be working as well, we can do that. That's a different process. Uh, and I try to keep those two things separate. Writers need honest feedback, but they also need a hand at their back saying, you can do this. And I want to be able to give them both. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been a big fan of people challenging me for whatever strange reason. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind that it's coming at, at coming, like you said, it's coming at me from their particular world and experiences. Right. But uh, do the writers have the the opportunity if uh, to uh, ask clarification questions? Like if somebody says, I don't like that, say, great, could you help me out and explain why? Absolutely. And, and at, then turn it into something that would, could be constructive. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the, you know, whenever writers uh, come to conferences that I'm speaking at and, you know, we're talking about different aspects of writing, one of the common questions that, that, that I will get and it's a very difficult question to answer, even when I'm writing my own material, it's a little bit difficult to navigate sometimes, is I wrote something, I gave it to three people to read. They all said completely different things about what they didn't think was working. What do I do? What do I do with that? And so I always reflect back on something my grandmother said, had nothing to do with writing, and it does involve a little bit of cussing, so I'm just gonna leave that blank um, but she was talking about something else and she gave me a little piece of her wisdom, which was very typical for her. What she said was, if somebody calls you and she used a curse word, she said, if somebody calls you that they're very rude. If two people call you that you probably are that. And at the time I just thought that was typical her. It was funny. But then I thought later on in life, that might've been the best writing advice I've ever received. So what I tell people when we get into the give and take of what sounded, what sounded fair, what confused you, but particularly three people told you different things that you need to work on and you don't know what to do. Who do I listen to? Do I listen to the, the one who's published? Do I listen to the one who's teaching? Do I listen to the one who's my friend? What? What do I do? What I will say is there's generally no such thing as you wrote something wrong. Put that out of your head. What you should be thinking about is every word you write is a decision that you have made to communicate something. And as we all know, whether it's in business, whether it's in writing, whether it's with our spouses and significant others, we may think we're communicating something, but that's not how it's going over. It's being received differently. So if, for example, three people say in order, your character is unsympathetic, I don't like her. And then the next one says, your character is very confusing. You should clarify that. And then the third one says, I love that character. She's not in it enough. And you think that's confusing. It's not. What they're telling you is your character is communicating something that you might not have intended. And you need to make a decision now as to how to clarify that. But they're not telling you three different things. They're telling you that your character's communication is hitting them in a way you didn't intend. That is helpful feedback. That is like an error message on your computer. It only is confusing if you don't understand how to interpret it. Once you interpret it, you realize, oh, that is actually crystal clear. Everyone is basically saying the same thing. So that, that, that opportunity, 
as I try to guide those conversations is always present. That that's uh, that's a great way to look at it. That's that's not only excellent advice for people that are authors or up and coming writers, but it's also excellent advice for any entrepreneur that's in business because you're going to get all kinds of feedback and you have to be able to wade through it and weigh it and what the source is and what yeah. their intention is. And uh, but but you shouldn't take it as a direct assault. It's just it's feedback. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but the, 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 the best thing, the best thing that I got out of that last little comment is um, I love a grandmother who cusses. <laughs> you would have loved Grandma Rose. She was she was on fire all the time. She was awesome. That's great. That's yeah. great. The world needs pe more people like that. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're we're getting kind of toward the end here. Let, let me ask you this: What in your either at your reading group or uh, have you done any any of the writers' uh, retreats before, or is this your first one? It's good. coming up on the first one. Yeah. Okay. It's, All right. So let we'll go back to the re, the readers' workshop. What's what's the best piece of advice do you think that you've ever given to anybody that's in there that's that's looking for help? Sure. Um, whether it's in a, a, the, the reading workshop or whether it's one-on-one -on -one with me uh, in terms of editorial consultation, which you offer, you know, to go through your manuscript, however long it may be, and to start discussing with you, what do you see for this? What do you want to achieve for this? What am I seeing in terms of the choices you've made? Let's work together. I think the best piece of advice I can give someone is turn off your editor brain while you're writing. Don't stop yourself. If you are start, starting on a draft, whether it's just a short little poem or whether you're going, you know, full James Michener, 800 pages, we all have that tendency to write a little bit, even if it's a business proposal or a, just a letter to a colleague or an email, we will stop ourselves and say, you know, is this working? Does that sentence work? Am I, is it, am I coming off too harsh? Stop. The first draft is for you to throw all your ideas out. Everything goes in. Leave the editor out of the room. If the editor starts talking about your language, saying, wow, that's really purple prose. That's, I'm, I'm getting a sugar high. That's how bad. <laughs> Tell the editor to leave the room. Get it all out. That's when the editor comes back in. Is when it's all down on paper. There is no such thing as a sculptor who starts off with fine details. Every sculptor starts out with a mound of clay or a giant rock, and then they start chipping. Your, your idea will emerge from the chipping. It will not emerge until after a lot of chipping. Writing is rewriting. That is all writing is. That first draft is your brain just saying, I was thinking about this theme and idea, blah, all, all onto the paper. Now the writing begins. Now the editor can come back into the room. And if you let the editor in the room a little bit too early, you're going to stop yourself so many times, you're gonna feel frustrated, you may even feel stuck. That's because you're allowing part of your brain to express doubts about what the writing part of your brain is doing. Just shush it up, shush it up. There'll be time for that. Just allow yourself to come to your work, do your work, put it all down, and then either together with me or someone like me or yourself, We'll, we'll get to the, is this good language? Don't worry about that. That's, that's great advice. And, and, and 
since I'm a business guy and came from the business community, that that's the uh, the author's version of uh, what we would call a brainstorming session. Right. You just throw out the I throw not throw out the ideas, throw up the ideas. Absolutely. And don't judge them. Don't think about them. Just put them there. Yes. Then go back and analyze. So that, even that's, yeah, even in a business setting, how many times have we heard the phrase "It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission"? Right. Apply it to your own writing. Don't ask permission to write. Ask forgiveness for all the stuff you put down that maybe doesn't work, which is great. That's called revising. That's the editorial process. Just get it all down there. Don't censor yourself. Don't limit yourself. Don't worry about, oh, my God, the thing I just wrote today, is it going to offend somebody? Who cares? Get it all down. You'll deal with all that later. Great stuff, man. I've enjoyed this. So how do people, how do people get a hold of you again? Yeah, I, you know what? If you ever want to even just drop me an email, happy to share that email address. It is drockman and then the number two at Gmail. You can find me on Facebook. I have an author page as well as a personal page under David Rockman. You can find me on Twitter at drockman. You can find me on Instagram at drockman or at the right formula, which would, which would be at the right formula. Um, I'm on there on all those platforms. DM me anywhere you can find me. Happy to hear from you. Happy to talk writing. Happy to talk. How can I help you? Uh, and just happy to hear about what you're working on. That gives me a thrill to know that other people are out there trying to express themselves. The world needs more of that. That's great. So just for clarification, the yep. right formula is W-R-I-T-E right or R-I-G-H-T right? Uh, no, right as in writing, the right formula. Because okay. I because I'm that clever, Brian. That's how clever. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to be clever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank you for that. So, folks, that that's a wrap on another great guest episode for the Evolvepreneur Secrets Show with our guest David Rockland. And uh, before you leave, if you'd uh, like this, please give us a five star review. And if you'd be so kind, maybe recommend it to a couple of your friends so we can spread the word. And if you want to. Make sure you don't miss any further podcasts. You can go to EvolvepreneurSecrets.show and register there to get uh, notifications of the podcasts as they come up. And if you're an entrepreneur, make your uh, the start of your next great idea today. Thanks. <music>